In the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen. I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. When I was growing up in the Midwest, I used to crave those gold stars that our teachers would pull out of their desk drawers to put on a well-done assignment. I'm seeing another Midwesterner always say, yeah, that's how it worked. So you all get one of those today for being here after we lost an hour this morning. My dog reminded me as I took him out this morning He found the nearest flower bed and then turned right around to head back inside. He looked at me, he was like, this is way too dark and this is far too early. I'm going back to bed. Right? Many of us have been struggling these past few weeks with the darkness. Of course, it is metaphorical in large part for us in a peaceful part of the world that we imagine all of those right now who are living in the darkness of bunkers and subways and basements, not sure when the light will shine. I was watching a report just last night of a Ukrainian-American in New Jersey who was packing up supplies for the relief effort She has relatives back in Ukraine. And the reporter asked her, so how are you sleeping? And she said, I'm not. She said, I only go to sleep after 2 a.m. because that's when the sun rises in Ukraine and I know they've gotten through another night. The darkness. Our readings today are all about darkness and the threat of death. Most vividly, of course, we have the opening of today's gospel where some of Jesus' enemies in the religious tradition, you might say, or the religious authorities who are very concerned about what he's doing, come to him and tell him that Herod wants to kill him. 
handwriting is on the wall because in Luke's gospel, Herod has killed Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And so it's a natural conclusion, even if Herod isn't out to get Jesus yet or ever, that Jesus is next on the hit list. So it's not like they're saying something to him that he doesn't know already. But as is usual in these cases, although the Pharisees are no friend of Herod, believe me, they're sort of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend at this moment. And they think maybe with this threat they can get Jesus out of their hair. The threat of death and the fear of darkness are very present. Herod was the son of the Herod we all hear about at the Christmas pageant. You remember him? Herod the Great was his name. And he had done many building projects in ancient Israel up and down the coast. But he was a pretender, an imposter. He had married a Hasmonean princess who was descended from the line of the Maccabees to give himself legitimacy. And then to back up his claim to the throne, he went to Rome and he came back to Israel with a Roman garrison behind him. He made a deal and he let the empire in. And by the end of his reign, Herod the Great was paranoid, frightened, living in darkness, and, and so bedeviled with his own tyrannical impulses that he even had members of his own family killed for fear that they would betray him. By the time he died, he had carved up the kingdom into four parts, and Herod Antipas, which is the Herod we hear about in today's gospel, was the king of Galilee. And he was just as much a petty tyrant as his father, but with less power and less land and probably less success. So what does he have? He has the threat of death and the threat of darkness, and he will use it in whatever way he can. This is how the world works. You all know this. You all have lived through the anxiety of the past few weeks, and sometimes that anxiety that many of us know, especially at night when the darkness is deep. And we imagine those who look forward to the dawn, even when they're being told no dawn will come. But this is an ancient problem for the people of God. And nothing illustrates that more clearly than that passage from Genesis today. I don't know about you, but can you feel just how ancient that story is? And primitive, in a way? The sense that Abram is out as a wandering Bedouin. 
and he has no concept of an afterlife or eternal life for that matter. That will all come much later in the tradition. He is part of a people who have only one concept of how life will continue after they're dead, and that is in their progeny, in their children. And so Abram's great anxiety and greatest fear and greatest darkness is that when he dies, his house will come to an end, and it will pass to Eleazar of Damascus, a slave born in his household. And everything that he has lived for will be gone. To underscore that sense of foreboding and imminent ending, the author of the story, and perhaps those ancient Bedouins who told it around the campfire, says that Abram falls into a deep sleep, and then he is enveloped in a terrifying darkness. And in that darkness, there is the sense of these animals that have been sacrificed. In an ancient ritual, which says to both parties when they make an agreement that if one of us breaks it, the other one can dismember you, just like these bodies that have been sacrificed. Such a pleasant thought, right? But you see what I mean. It's very primitive, very, very visceral, very earthy. But in that midst of that terrifying darkness, what does Abram see but a torch, the light of God, passing right through the death that surrounds them? Now, if you read the rest of Genesis, you'll figure out pretty quickly that Abram really doesn't quite believe it has to be reminded again and again about the covenant. But this is the whole foundation of faith for a people, the people of God, in that we may not believe it, but God is always reminding us that God is faithful. And the light is always coming in the darkness. It's that faith that Jesus lays claim to when this threat comes from the religious authorities and probably, too, from Herod. A sensible guy would have run for the hills, right? Found a place to hide out, gone to ground, maybe even left Israel slipped into Tyre and Sidon or somewhere, or taken a boat somewhere else in the Mediterranean. But Jesus stands his ground. When we think of a fox, we think of a clever, smart beastie, right? But most scholars think what Jesus is really saying, it's more like those spaghetti westerns. You tell that varmint! Tell him what? Demons are being cast out. The people who are sick are being cured. And Jesus says, almost with a defiance that sounds 
awfully familiar to us who are listening. I have business to do today and tomorrow, and I'm going to Jerusalem. I am not on Herod's time. The implicit message is Jesus now is on God's time. It is about God's business. And when God, the light, comes into our darkness like that shining torch for Abram, or like that glimmer of faith that leads Jesus to continue on his path, death is no longer a worthy threat. Because we don't have a God of death. We have a God who comes to Abram and says, I will give you a child. Even though, if you remember the story, Abram and Sarai are far beyond childbearing years. A God who comes to us in Christ and says, I will give you new life where no death can touch you anymore. And even in the midst of darkness, I will be with you. Because here's the remarkable thing. When death no longer has power over us, the petty tyrants of this world fall to pieces. They're done. It's sort of like that old story, the emperor has no clothes. And even the threats of saber-rattling and militaries is not the final word. Final word is God here giving life. And not just any life, true life. Life that defeats death. And if death is defeated, if it really is, which is one of the great questions for us as people of faith and people who are moving at this time through Lent, then there might just be a chance that we are truly a free people. And so too are all those at this time who are holed up in subways and basements and bomb shelters. Our siblings in Ukraine and other parts of the world where people are living under threat. The light is coming. Keep the faith and be free. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 
1907. Search for us online or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Thank you.